Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie, so he was their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them, and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Now, these are some of the most wonderful verses in the Bible about God's love for the Jewish people. These verses speak of God's loving kindnesses, of his mercies, of his great goodness to the Jewish people. They speak of how God became the savior of the Jewish people. And then it says, in all their afflictions, God was afflicted. Then God tells why the Jewish people have not been consumed. The angel of his presence saved them. And it was because of the presence of of God in the fire in the middle of the bush that kept the bush from being consumed. It was because of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the middle of the Jewish people that have kept them from being consumed by their enemies. God, by his presence in the midst of the Jewish people, in the midst of the Jewish people who have rebelled against him, in the midst of the Jewish people who have vexed him, has nevertheless, God has nevertheless preserved the Jewish people as a nation from being destroyed. And even though the Jewish people, they rebelled against the Lord Jesus Christ, he has not, he never will forsake them because of his great love for them. Throughout history, this is what we see. He has marvelously saved them over and over again from their enemies. Now in verse three, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. So now we see Moses talking to himself. Well, it's no wonder if we were, no wonder for us to see Moses talk with himself. There's nothing wrong with that. It's out there, he's out there. There's no one else to talk to. He may forget how to have conversation to go on. He's in the backside of the desert. The sheep don't talk. So Moses wants to have a conversation. So what does he do? He speaks with himself. Moses tells himself that he has decided now to turn aside. He wants to see what Moses calls a great sight, a great sight. And the great sight is that the bush is not burnt. So Moses was so impressed with the bush that it didn't get burnt up. You know, it's interesting. In all of the Old Testament, the word bush only occurs here in these three verses, verses two, three, and four, and one other place. That's all. You never find this word bush any place in the Old Testament except here and, the, and in Deuteronomy. And it's interesting how the verse in Deuteronomy, when it speaks about the bush and it goes back to this bush, how it refers to it. It says in Deuteronomy 33:16, and for the precious things of the earth and fullness thereof 
and for the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. Let the blessings come upon Joseph and atop of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. In this passage, Moses is explaining how God blessed the sons of Jacob, and he goes one by one. And here Moses comes to Joseph, and he speaks about, and he refers to the one in the bush here as the one having the goodwill. And he says, the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. Now, what happened, in other words, what Moses was saying here is, what happened at the bush was a display of the goodwill of God. And when Moses spoke of God in the bush, he said that God dwelt in the bush. And that's a very important Hebrew word, dwelt. That's the word shachan, for the use for the dwelt. And that word is used in the Bible also for the tabernacle. The word tabernacle is mishkan, and mishkan comes from shachan, to dwell. So what God what emphasized about the tabernacle was the goal of the tabernacle, or the purpose, God's purpose, for the tabernacle, which he stated when he gave his introduction to Moses that he wanted to make a tabernacle in Exodus 25, 8, when God said to Moses, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a mishkan, a tabernacle that I may shachan, may dwell among them. So the purpose of the tabernacle was for God to dwell among his people. And that concept of God dwelling with man in the tabernacle was used as a basis for how the rabbis described the fire or the glory that was seen over the tabernacle. The rabbis, not the Bible, but the rabbis called that Shekinah, the Shekinah glory. Again, it comes from the word Shekhan, to dwell. Now, this is the word, the dwell, shakan, that Moses used to describe what he saw in the burning bush. He saw God dwelling in the bush. In other words, God was totally at home in the bush, like the word dwell implies. God had come, he unpacked his bags, and he's going to reside there. He's going to stay there. He's at home. He's comfortable in the bush. And this amazed Moses. And so he talks about it was the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush, and what amazed Moses about all this was that the bush was not consumed. And Moses described God as dwelling in the bush, and he had a good will, and the bush was not consumed. And so when he referred to him in the bush as the good will of him that dwelt in the bush, the question for us is, how was the good will of God seen in the burning bush? Again, Moses said it was the good will of him that dwelt in the bush. So it's a good question for us. How was that goodwill seen of God in the burning bush? Well, the answer is what impressed Moses about the bush. He says, why the bush is not burned. That's what he said in Exodus 3.3. Why the bush is not burned. In other words, why the bush was not consumed. Why was Moses impressed with the fact that God was in the bush, that God had a goodwill, and that the bush was not consumed? Fire in the Bible always speaks of judgment. As a matter of fact, Moses told later in Deuteronomy 23 through 24, he told Israel these words, take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden, hath forbidden thee. Now verse 24, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. 
So now, Moses warns Israel that God judges sin, and he describes God in this judging sin mode as a consuming fire. So again, we ask the question, if God is a consuming fire, then why was not the bush consumed? And the answer is, the bush was not consumed because of the goodwill of God. You and I, and every one of us, has sinned. We all should be consumed by the fire of God's judgment. God is a consuming fire in his judgment. We should all be consumed by the fire of God's judgment. But, like the bush, we are not consumed by the fire. Why? Because the fire should have consumed us because of our sins, but that fire fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Isaiah 53 is saying over and over and over again in Isaiah 53, 4, when he says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In Isaiah 53, 5, where he says, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. In Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Isaiah 53, 8, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Isaiah 53, 12, he bare the sin of many. Over and over and over and over again, the truth is being stated, which is summarized in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Christ died for our sins. And that means the fire, the, the judgment that was due us, it fell on him. And it's expressed so well in this hymn, O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head? O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head? Our load was laid on thee. Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead, didst bear all ill for me. A victim led, thy blood was shed. Now there's no load for me. Death and the curse were in our cup. O Christ, t'was full for thee. But thou hast drained the last dark drop. Tis empty now for me. That bitter cup, love drank it up. Now blessings left for me. Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast sore stricken of thy God. There's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood beneath it flowed. Thy bruising healeth me. We're like the bush. The consuming fire of God's wrath does not consume us because it fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Moses referred to the bush in Deuteronomy 33, 16 as the one who had the good will, the good will of him that dwelt in the bush. Now in verse four, we read that, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Now we see that when Moses stopped and turned aside to look at the bush, that out of the middle of the bush, God calls to him. So God calls out the name of Moses. That must have been really a surprise for Moses to hear his name coming out of a bush with the fire. And Moses knew that this was God because he knew his name. Moses knew something about God, and he had heard God now for the first time call him by his name. And Moses spoke about this 
He spoke about this incident in Exodus later on, Exodus 33, verse 17, where he says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. I know thee by name. God said to Moses, I know thee by name. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you? Isn't that a great thought of the God saying, I know you by name? And when Moses heard God call his name, Moses knew that he had found grace with God. That's what he said, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And when Moses heard God call his name, Moses knew that God cared for Moses. Moses knew that God loved Moses. You know, God told another person, not not Jewish, uh, Cyrus, king of the Persia, he was a Persian, and he had called him by his name, and he talked about that in Isaiah 45, 3, where God said to Cyrus, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness, and hidden treasures of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. In that verse, God is one of the many, many encouragements for the Jewish people, and that is, speaking of names, that God has chosen to name himself using the name of the father of the Jewish people, Jacob or Israel, or using the name of the Jewish people when he said, I, the Lord, am the God of Israel. That's amazing. Now, Nathanael was a man in the New Testament. He didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He never had met the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was approaching the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, for his first encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's written, the account is written in John 1, 47 through 49, and it reads like this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. So here was the Lord Jesus who had made the first statement, the first words of this encounter come from him, and he says to him, Behold, here's an Israelite, indeed in whom is no guile. When he said that, Nathanael then speaks next, and he asks a question. From where do you know me? And then when Nathanael knew that the Lord Jesus saw him when he was alone, all alone under that fig tree, and yet he saw him, and he knew that he wasn't physically there, Nathaniel knew that the Lord Jesus knew him. He knew him as good as he knew his name. And because the Lord Jesus knew him, Nathaniel worshiped the Lord Jesus, and he called him first rabbi, as in teacher. He called him second the Son of God, or God the Son, as in God. And third, he called him the King of Israel. That's what really broke the back of Nathanael's doubt. Can any good thing come out of Israel, he told his friend, out of uh, Nazareth, he told his friend, speaking of the Lord Jesus. But when he understood that the Lord Jesus knew him, as good as knowing his name, and could see him in all the time, and see him in his secret place there, when he knew that, Then that broke the back of unbelief in Nathanael, and he confessed and worshiped him as God. And when we realized that he knows us, that the Lord Jesus Christ knows us, 
that broke the back. He knows our name. It might have been in a church service, for example, where all of a sudden we think that the pastor knows us and he's speaking right to us and we realize it's God that's using that pastor or speaking through a pastor to speak to me. Why? He knows my name. God does. Or it might have been as it was with me by reading the Bible and all of a sudden there's a passage that just that jumps out and that passage is so striking it's just a little too close to home to just be coincidence. And we realize, as I did, God knows me. He knows my name. That's how God calls individuals personally. He calls souls to himself, as he said in Isaiah 27, 12. Ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. He calls us to himself one by one, name by name. And the Lord Jesus calls each one of us to himself. And what does he say when he calls us to himself? He says, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. And what we learn of him when we come to him is that he's the one with the good will that was dwelling in the bush. Now, what was God going to say to Moses? It was very important. How do we know it's important? Because he called his name twice. Moses, Moses. By calling his name twice, God was saying to Moses, Moses, it's very important what I have to say to you. Very important. You might even think it's a warning. You might even think there's a little danger here. And so Moses immediately straightens up and he says, here am I, or literally behold me. So what was so important for Moses to know? What was the great danger? Verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the ground whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moses needed to take his shoes off. Well, you say, why did he have to take his shoes off? Well, that was a custom in those days of showing great respect. The Egyptians did that whenever they went into their temples. And God was saying to Moses that because God was in that place where Moses was standing, that that place was now Special ground. It was holy ground. And now the first important message that God wanted to communicate to Moses was who he was. So he says in in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So just as shocked as Moses was was to hear his name called out by God, now Moses hears God identify himself with names of people he knows. And he hears God call himself the God of his father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Those were not just a sterile list of historical people there for Moses. Each one of those names elicited a real picture of a life in the mind of Moses. When Moses heard God say that he was the God of his father, Moses thought of his father and the faith that his father and mother had when they saw that God was going to use Moses in a special way. They trusted God as they hid Moses, and God helped them to keep Moses from being found. They trusted God as they set Moses in that little boat in the Nile, and God helped to keep Moses from being killed in the Nile. So when Moses heard God say that he was the God of his father, Moses knew God was speaking to him, and he was saying that he was the one who kept him alive as a baby in Egypt. When Moses heard God say that he was the God of Abraham, Moses thought of how Abraham was saved many times. First, he was saved from the idolatry in his own city of Ur when God called him to leave. 
Then Moses thought of how God saved Abraham from being killed by Abimelech and also in another time by Pharaoh because they wanted to take his beautiful wife, Sarah. Then Moses realized that God who was speaking to him is the one who saved Abraham. And when Moses heard God say that he was the God of Isaac, then he understood that he was saying to him, I am the one who substituted the ram for a sacrifice so that Isaac would not be killed. He understood that he was saying, I am the one who saved timid Isaac from the Philistines who stopped his wells and wanted to kill him. And when Moses heard God say that he was the God of Jacob, Moses thought of how God saved Jacob many times. He saved him from his own brother Esau, who wanted to kill him. He thought of how his own uncle, Jacob's uncle Laban, wanted to kill him, and God saved him from him. He thought of how his sons had made him hated among the people, and he was afraid that they would kill him when Simeon and Levi went and killed all the men of Shechem. So Moses knew that when God identified himself as the God of those men, God was saying, I am God that's in this bush here. I am the saving God. I am the saving God. But most important of all that caused Moses to marvel was when Moses thought, and Moses is now 80 years old, of how his father must be dead. And Moses thought of how Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died over 400 years ago. And Moses thought, my father, Abraham, he's just mentioned, Isaac, Jacob, he's talked about. They've all died. They're all dead. They've all died. And yet it was the tense of the verb that God used, the verb to be that God used, the tense of the verb to be that caused Moses to marvel. Marvel, marvel, he just sat there. He marveled as he said to himself, God did not say to me, I was the God of your father. He said, I am the God of your father. And Moses sat there and said, God did not say to me, I was the God of Abraham. He said, I am the God of Abraham. And he said, God did not say to me, I was the God of Isaac. He said, I am the God of Isaac. He didn't say to me, I was the God of Jacob. He said, I am the God of Jacob. He said, I am. He said, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did not say, I was the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God just said to me, I am still the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As if God was saying to Moses, they're here with me right now. Your father's here with me. Abraham's here with me. Isaac's here with me. Jacob's here with me. I am their God, present tense right now. And Moses realized when he heard that, God is the God of living. God is the God of life. This life is temporary. Death is coming, yes, but those who trust in God will be with them forever as my father is and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they trusted in him. Moses knew him as Jehovah. We know him as the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jesus. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 12, verses 26 through 27, where he said, and as touching the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. That's a wonderful thought for us. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. At that point, when Moses heard those words, he realized the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ said in John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being, Lord, our remedy. Lord, for being the life to replace our death. And we know that it has not come at a cheap price because we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much in Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 